We're in a short series called Passion for His Mission. And um, last uh, time, two weeks back when we were here, we spoke about what it means to just be sons of God. What it means to, um, to be more than children of God, but mature children. Sonship not being a gender-related term, but a maturity term. Talking about God wants each and every one of our lives to start reflecting Jesus Christ. He wants us to grow in our knowledge of Him and of life around us so that we might find how we can reflect His image to this world more and more. And so we spoke about just as a son, you know, you serve God not out of duty or obligation. You serve God out of a desire. You serve God out of a place of, uh, of being authentically, uh, delightfully pleased with doing what you're doing. I remember when I was in high school, I would serve the Lord, but I would always envy my unsaved friends because they could go out and party, but I couldn't, you know, because I'm a Christian. <laughs> Only to realize later in life that I've been born again and my new nature desires something entirely different. I didn't, and I never really liked partying, but I always thought I should like partying because, you know, that's what everybody does, right? You know? And then, and then I had this longing for something that I wasn't even longing for. And then when I realized who I was, I realized my desire is to please God. My desire as a born-again Christian is not to sin. It's actually to walk away from sin and walk towards God's purposes for my life. And it changed everything for me. Serving Jesus was no longer a religious exercise I did on Sunday. It was a delight I did any and every part of every day of my life. Pursuing Him, talking to Him, worshiping Him. When I was on my way to work, when I was talking to people, when I was visiting friends, I would still have the notion of it is my delight to serve and honor God in my speech, in my thoughts, in my actions, in everything I do. I never would do it again out of a sense of obligation. I did it from a place of delight, a disposition of absolute joy in serving God. And I believe God has that for each and every one of us. By the way, if if you have come through this prayer and fasting time and you have not seen breakthrough yet, I want to encourage you. God is still on the throne. He is still on the throne. And it just means that our prayer and fasting weekend, uh, our prayer and fasting uh, weeks just ended before God's, uh, God's work is completed in your life. I want to encourage you, keep trusting Him. Keep pressing in. Keep standing in your faith with Him because He is still on the throne. And He is going to step into your life. And He's, going to, he's not behind whatever trouble you're facing. But He is within it with you, guiding you through it unto a place of victory and overcoming. So keep trusting God. In fact, what we decided normally what we do is after our prayer and fasting devos and you know what we share on our morning devotions with those little video clips and the prayer time we have together is that we revert back to a week once a week midweek devo uh, this last past year we called that the 167 journey and we focused on all the things that happens between sunday's you know end of worship till the next sunday coming to worship the 167 hours that you're not in church of a week um, but this year we just felt that we need to continue this passionate pursuit of God's presence and His mission. And so we're going to convert our midweek Devo to daily Devos. And good news is you don't have to do anything. If you've been subscribed to our daily Devos or for, our, for our 21 days of prayer, you'll be transferred and grandfathered into that. Unless you don't want to. Then you can just reply stop and it'll unsubscribe you. But if you want to keep receiving those Devos, um, and if you want to start receiving those daily devos, it's a little five to seven minute thought 
with some scripture and some prayer that helps you just set your day in the right direction, set your mind in the right direction for the day. I'm encouraging you to, um, to just uh, text the word pray first uh, or daily devo to, uh, to 94,000. Daily devos to 94,000 and you'll be included in that. So um, that encouragement uh, to, to continue the journey with us. And we'll be working through the whole New Testament this year. Right, so from now till the end of this year, we will have covered every book of the New Testament, save for the book of Revelation. We'll do the book of Revelation in another year. But this, it's going to take us through a chapter a day. It's a chapter a day works you through the whole New Testament. So I want to encourage you, join that journey with us. It's going to get your mind in the Word, and it's going to flush your subconscious mind uh, of the things that it shouldn't be having in there and filling it with God's promises and with God's hope. How many of you know we can use more of that every single day? All right, so I've been sharing about a passion for his mission, and we talked about being sons versus rather than being workers. We talked about the different mindset that a son of a house has versus somebody who's just there to visit. We talked the second uh, week about having a zeal for his house. Everybody got one of these little pages. All right, let's, let's see. How, how, do you have one of these pages? Wave them at me. I'm not seeing nobody waving pages. Where's those pages? Thanks, JB. Where are those all right, Tiger, we need to start handing out pages. So many people didn't receive these things. Um, I want you to have a look at this because last week we spoke about this house. And we, can you just, if you haven't received one of these pages, just put up your hand real quick and we'll, we'll come by. We spoke about what it means to be a part of a local church. We spoke about that Jesus had a passion for his house. Zeal for God's house consumed Jesus. And as mature sons and daughters of God, we want to have that same perspective and passion for the house of the Lord. And yes, I know that we're part of the global body of Christ, but we're still also a part of a local expression. Tiger behind you. Uh, a local expression. You cannot experience the body of Christ unless you're part of a local, local church. You cannot get out of it what God intended for you to get out of it if you're not part of a local church. Yes, you can be in it, you can go to heaven, but you will miss out on so much of what God intended for you to have uh, as a Christian and walk in as a Christian if you do not become a part of the local body. And then we talked just about that. You know what? Um, Jesus was mad at those people who were trading in the temple, and it wasn't necessarily because that there was buying and selling going on. The real reason why he was mad was that they were using the house of God as a means to their own ends. That's what infuriated him because the house of God was meant to be a house of prayer and of worship where we come to give, not where we come to just take and benefit. And so God wants each and every one of us to be in that place where this is not just a space where you get benefit, but this is a space where you come to serve people around you. And this, this morning, we're all wearing our blue Dream Team shirts. Everybody who's serving on Dream Team have been faithfully serving this house. And my appeal last week was, it's time for us to start loving back. It's time for us all to start serving all these and loving the people and caring for the people that have been serving us. So I'm asking you today, take a look at this page while we're preaching today, while we're sharing the message. Read what's happening on that thing and ask yourself, where can you make a difference? Where can you add value? Where and how can you serve and care and love this house? And then you mark it X next to it, you put your name up on it, and we'll receive it back afterwards. Today, we're going to spend our time talking about outreach. Talking about outreach. God is a missionary God. 
God has been on a mission for so long. He loves humanity. In Luke 19 verse 10, it says that the Son of Man has come to seek out and to give life to those who are lost. The Son of Man has come to seek out and give life to those of lost. You know, statistics on Acadia says that Acadia has more than 40,000 Christians. Guys, that's, that's 60 plus percent of our population in Acadia. You realize that's, that's a pretty significant majority. You know what should be reality around us with a majority like this? We should have the best schools, the best infrastructure, the best economy, the lowest crime rate. We should have the healthiest marriages and the most God-honoring children. If a society truly has more than 60%, you are an absolute influencing force on that, on that place. So what's, what's up? What gives? Because when I last remembered, everybody talking about Crowley School says the exact opposite. Everybody talking about our city's infrastructure says, says the opposite. And I'm thankful for much of what has been going on and, and upgrades and all that. And that is a testament to God's people trying to, to live out the kingdom principle. But there's more to be done in our marriages. There's more to be done in our homes. There is more to be done when it comes to our economy and our crime rate. Why is it that we have a two-thirds majority Christians... But we don't see the kingdom in operation in our reality. I believe it's two things. I believe, number one, it could be that not all of that 40,000 are, in fact, born-again believers. You know, it's as good as thinking that when you grow up in a Christian house and know about God, that you're automatically a Christian. I mean, the Bible is just emphatically, does say that that's not true. People fail to realize that unless one is born again of the Spirit of God, that you are not a child of God. I know there's a very popular notion out there that says we're all children of God. No, no, we're all creations of God. But you only become part of the family of God when you are born into the family of God. Romans 9 verse 8 says this, This confirms that it's not merely the natural offspring of Abraham who are considered the children of God. Rather, the children born because of God's promise are counted as his descendants. In Galatians 3, we are, we're, we're explained what that promise is. Verse 26, you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ, that talks about being born again into Jesus Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. You are a child of God. The second reason I think we're not seeing the kingdom of God completely take over our, our natural environment is because I don't think we're living out our purpose. I think we all have a lot of religious activity and sincere even religious activity, not just dead religious activity. But we're not living that out in the spaces and the places outside of the church environment. We're all very comfortable and happy to live out my Christianity when I am with Christians, when I'm with my church, when I'm with my life group, when I'm at my um, you know, uh, church events. But when I step into my office, all of a sudden I you know, go undercover. All of a sudden, I'm a closet Christian. Nobody really knows I am one. I think it's time that we heed 1 Corinthians 4 that says the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It's living by God's power. I want to talk about that word power there because the Bible actually defines 
much of what that is. It's living by God's power. So what's God saying to us today through this message? I want us to read us Luke 15 verse 8. Listen to what Luke 15 says. Jesus gave a parable. There was once a woman who had 10 valuable silver coins. When she lost one of them, she swept her entire house diligently, searching every corner of her house for that one, one lost coin. Verse 9. When she finally found it, she gathered all her friends and neighbors for a celebration, telling them, come celebrate with me. I had lost a precious silver coin, but now I have found it. God is saying to us through this message today that He has a passionate love and desire to see lost people found, lost people saved. God loves people and He wants to see, according to 1 Peter 3 verse 9, He is not... Um, he is not putting off the fulfillment of his promise of coming back. Actually, he's just being patient because he wants all men to be saved. God's passion is to see people step into that family of his. And, 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 and when he does not return yet, it means because he's still waiting for some to respond. He's still waiting for some to respond to his message, but he's also waiting for some to respond, to start giving out that message. And that is part of what today is about. If you read in the Old Testament, you see God's mission program just unfolding. In fact, the whole Bible is a record of God's attempt to save humanity. God's attempt to save humanity. You know, you see it in 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 in, in um you see it in the Garden of Eden, you see it in the offspring of, of Adam and Eve. Um, but very significantly, you start seeing it in, in the life of Abraham. Abraham gets a promise from God that says, if you live by faith, if you follow me by faith, you will be blessed. But not just you will be blessed, in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. You will be blessed to be a blessing. And God says, all the families of the earth. You see, we sometimes look at the Old Testament and we think, you know, God really only started loving the world after the Old Testament. <laughs> I don't know if you've thought about that before. It's like, you know, God loved, God created us, but Jesus loved us because he came for us, right? <laughs> no, in fact, God has always been loving humanity. And you see God's emotion every time he has to make like an executive decision about things that that. If he wouldn't do it, the cause would be lost. And so you see the whole Old Testament, um, sometimes you see a whole lot of judgment. But if you read it correctly, you realize that those things are just executive decisions to save what is left of the good that there still is in mankind. God has always been saving. He's always, and his salvation plan has been unfolding since the very beginning. Abraham left his old way of life and he started a journey, a heavenly errand. God was sending him to go and get his people. And we see that unfold over multiple generations. You see that same promise being transferred to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And then later on that same promise gets transferred to Joseph. 
where God is affirming over and over and over and over again, in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. God is working out the salvation of mankind. He's on a mission to save us. God loves every single nation and every single ethnicity with such a passion that he would call people to leave their people and go live among other people in order for more people to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. If that is the foundation of our faith, that is the foundation of your life. That is what your life as Christians are being built, uh, our lives as Christians are being built upon. The fact that God is wanting to bless us so that we can be a blessing to other people. God said to Abraham, in your seed all the nations of the earth will be blessed. In your seed, that word seed has a threefold reference. The first reference it has is the actual Israelites, the physical nation of Israel. God said, um, in that seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And we know that God walks this incredible journey with Israel. And look, Israel um, sometimes looks like, you know, they were the, the, the enemies of everybody. But really, really what happens was they walked away from God so many times that they, you know, came into odds with other people. Really, Israel's job was to be a, a pulling force toward God. People were supposed to see the goodness of God on Israel and want it and come and ask Israel, how are you doing this? And they would be able to say, look, this is the God that we serve. He helps us and, and, and blesses us like this. You can serve him too. But every time Israel would fail at their mission and God would have to continuously just prepare them because he had a greater purpose for Israel as well. And that, this, that the Messiah should come through, through Israel to, so that all the nations of the earth will be also blessed through Israel. But we sometimes see God sending people from Israel to other nations like Jonah. That was a mission. God loved the people of Nineveh so much that he would tell an obstinate Israelite who was racist and, 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 and classist to go to another nation and tell them, look, God wants to, God's going to judge you if you don't repent. But really God wants you to repent so that he can show you mercy. Jonah misunderstood that completely because he had such prejudice and hatred in his own heart that he thought the only thing that should happen to those Ninevites was that God should bless, uh, not bless them, God should, in our, in our country, in our country when, when, when you, you're threatening somebody, you say, I'm going to bless you. And it doesn't mean what it says. It means you're about to get some fivefold ministry, you know, one against the ear and the other one against the tar. Tar is asphalt, blacktop. That joke didn't land well. <laughs> Lost in translation. He wanted God to just wipe them out, judge them. He wanted to happen to them what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. God just rained down fire and just obliterate them. But God shows his love to all people through <laughs> refusing to let Jonah go his own way. Look, Working against the purposes of God in your life will only cause you frustration. Sometimes we have good plans, right? We have, we have fanciful plans as Christians. Yeah, I know how I want to do things. I want to do things my way. You're going to be frustrated because God's way contains God's blessing and His favor. And if you just relent and just say, Lord, let, I will do what you say, boom, 
blessed to be a blessing will start happening to you. The second thing that the seed refers to is Jesus. That Abram's seed, Jesus Christ, would come and through his sacrifice on the cross, a way would be opened up for us to be reconciled to God. The third thing it refers to is literally the spiritual Israel. It's Christians. It's you and I. God said to Abram back then, look, in you and in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. We are the spiritual seed of Abraham. We're his offspring. And so within us lies a blessing to our neighbor and, 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 and people that are different from us. People that are not saved yet. Why? Because God ordained that to come through his seed. He wants all of mankind to be saved. God loves lost people. He loves lost people. He has a passion to see their lives change around. And because God loves this so much, this is also your and my primary and priority purpose. You know, we talk a lot about discovering purpose these days. Each and every one of us has to realize that my and your primary purposes as Christians are that we should seek and save exactly the same thing Jesus sought to save. And that is people that just doesn't know him yet, that don't know him yet. In fact, I believe all Christians are missionaries, and we are all in full-time ministry. Now, not all of us are pastors, and not all of us are apostles and prophets, but each and every one of us are missionaries. God has called each and every one of us to love the lost and to share the gospel with them. And I don't think we can really live up to our full identity until we take that upon ourselves to start being a message carrier to people that don't and haven't heard yet or haven't heard the truth yet. See, currently, the church is God's vehicle of expressing His love to the world. That's the medium through which He conveys His love to the world. That means since you and I are the church, God wants to convey His love through you and through me to the people out there that don't know Him. But we have to ask ourselves, who is the lost? Who is the lost? Because in our region, it almost seems like everybody's Christians, right? So it's kind of, we kind of feel like, man, it's kind of difficult to, you know, to know who is unsaved. And, and that's true, and, and, and that's not our judgment to make either. To figure out who's unsaved. But I think if we redefine who we see as lost, it helps us to more effectively uh, uh, kick into action to start sharing God's love and start, and start living out this calling that is on the church to express God's loving care to people around us. I think if we accurately assess our environment, we'll realize that many people claim to know God, but not all of them are walking in a true relationship with God. Many people know of God, but many of them have not actually met God personally. And so I believe there are about three groups of people. You can make more if you want to, but we only get time for three, okay? <laughs> to be explained and, and, and worked through. I believe our first group of people that we need to reach out to are people that are unsaved. And you know what? There's, very, there's a very easy way to find out if somebody is unsaved. 
Just ask him if he believes in God. Hey, do you believe in God? And that th if that person says no, well, then you are guaranteed that they are not yet saved. <laughs> if they say yes, well, then you're going to take their word for it for now. And we'll figure more out about it as, as time goes on. And we can have more conversation about it. But there are people in our environment that simply they're not saved. And it's clear that they're not saved by their own admission. And, and the reality about these people is that, you know what, it's not God that wants to send them to hell, but God that allows them to experience the outcome of their decisions. They have been separated from God because of their sin, and so was you and I as well before we came to Christ. And 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 9 says, They will suffer the penalty of eternal destruction, banished from the Lord's presence and from the manifestation of His glorious power. There's that word again. His power. They have been separated from His presence and they have been separated or prevented from accessing the manifestation of His power. What is this power that we're talking about that God wants us to live in as the kingdom of God? It's not about talk, but it's about walking in power. I think here's what it is. Romans 1.16 says this, I refuse to be ashamed of sharing the wonderful message of God's liberating power unleashed in and through us, unleashed in us through Christ. I, for I am thrilled to preach that everyone who believes is saved, first the Jew and then people everywhere. Another translation says this, I'm unashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everybody who would believe. You see, when somebody dies and goes to heaven, they can no longer, sorry, dies, they can no longer have access to the manifestation of the power. They can't hear the gospel no more. We have one chance, and that's this life, to share the liberating power of God with people who do not believe. But if we would, we would see God's power manifest and take them out of the kingdom of darkness and put them in the kingdom of light with His Son, Jesus Christ. But it requires something. There's one problem here. Romans 14 states it. How can people call on God for help if they've not yet believed? And how can they believe if they've not yet heard of Him? And how will they hear the message of life if there is no one to proclaim it to them? Look, there might be 60% Christians, but there's 40% non-Christians, which means at least 40% of the people in Acadia aren't going to church. You know, there are those who tolerate Christianity and they'll go to church and they kind of, I believe, fall within that first 60%. First 40, 40, 60%. But a guy who's openly like, no, I don't, I'm not going to anything to do, he's not going to end up in church. They can't ever hear the gospel here because they're never going to be here. But you know where they're going to sit on Monday? In the cubicle across from you. In the passenger seat of the rig that you're operating. Let me tell you, you might come to church on Sunday. But they come to church Monday through Friday through sitting and working with you. That's where they need to experience the gospel you can't expect the church, these meetings, to save those people. They're not here. That's why the Bible says 
The job of a pastor is not to do all the ministry. The job of a pastor is to prepare each and every one of you to be able to do ministry Monday to Friday, Monday to Saturday. So what should I do with people that are unsaved? I should share the gospel. I should share the gospel. Sometimes we become too spiritual about this. But how do I know I need to share the gospel with them? Are they breathing? Are they next to you? Across from you? They should hear the gospel. Very definitely. I want to share something with you today. Can we, can we run those things through the aisles real quick? Sharing the gospel is super, super simple. Because your job as a, a message carrier is not to force a response. Imagine it. Imagine I come to you, I am sent by Anne to go and deliver a message to Crystal, right? So Anne tells me, JJ, go tell Crystal that she needs to, um, you know, go and pick up, you know, cool drink for the event. So what do I do? I call Crystal. I'm like, hey, Crystal, Anne asked me to tell you that you need to pick up drinks for the event tonight. You got that? I got that. Awesome. Am I now going to show up at Crystal's house and force her into her vehicle and say, you need to go buy the drinks? And then stay with her. We're going to go buy the drinks now, Crystal. No, 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 we're not buying soap. No, 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 no groceries. It's drinks time now. We're buying drinks now. My job is not, and didn't ask me, JJ, take Crystal by the ear, haul her over to Walmart, Super One, stuff some drinks in her lap, and go take her to pay for it. No. She said, hey, would you let Crystal know? I'm just, just let her know that this needs to happen. You're a messenger. Sharing the gospel is super easy. What you have in front of you is four symbols. The first one is a heart. The first one says, God really loves you. God really cares about your life. He cares what you're going through. The second one is an X. We messed up. We separated from God by virtue of our sin and not following according to His, His principles. And that actually prevents His love from reaching us. But the great news is that the cross came. And change that whole picture. Jesus paid the penalty for your and my mistakes. And because of that, he opened up a way again for God's love to be able to reach you and I. First to save us and second to heal us and guide us. But the question mark asks, are you in a place where you will put your faith and trust in what Jesus did? Because that's the only way to access God's love again. Are you willing to put Jesus in front of you as your leader and follow him, believe on what he did for you and follow him for the rest of your life? Because if you decide to do that, what was broken is able to be fixed. And God can get involved in your life again. And what you're missing can be supplied again. What you lost can be replaced again. Don't you want to start a journey like that with God? Sharing the gospel with somebody is so easy. You just have to care enough to do it. 
I want you to take that little brochure and go read the back of it. It actually explains exactly what you can tell somebody when you're, when you're talking. Fold it up, put it in your pocket, keep it in your, keep it, keep it close. If you need to review it before you share, do something, but, but, but make an effort to start telling people that God loves them. God cares for them and God is concerned about where they're at and he wants to help. And if they say, but how do God help? Then you go and you share the gospel with them. The second group of people, the first is unsaved and they're in need of salvation. The second group of people is just, it's, uns, it's, um, it's wandering people in need of direction. It's people that they probably saved. We're not, we're not exactly sure, but they, they probably believed in God at some point in their life, but they kind of wandered away. They lost, they lost their way. And, and, and you know what the worst thing for people who are in this place is they experience so much condemnation that just the thought of stepping back into a church is too much for them. Just the thought of, of <clears throat> you know, I have to go and face this time that I've not been here and kind of answer for that. That is just too daunting a thing. So what happens? They try to find help in any other way. Some become over-spiritual. Oh, I don't need the church. You know, it's just me and Jesus. I can do this on my own. You know, I got church um, through various other means. I, I, I don't need, I don't need the, the church. And some just reject the church. Wow, there's just a bunch of hypocrites anyways. You know, when I was there, you know, this and this would happen. People who are wandering need direction. You know how they're going to get direction? Again, it's not going to happen through this meeting, through me preaching, because they're not here. <laughs> it's going to happen through somebody who actually invites them back into a relationship. Invites them back into a journey. Hey man, I've been thinking about you, been praying for you. How are you? How you doing? Hey, would you like to come over for a visit? After a while, hey, we're having this group. Would you like to come and visit our group? reintroduce them into relationship, into fellowship, where there's no judgment, no condemnation, no questions asked about, hey, where were you? No, just a, hey, glad to see you again. Come along. We're about to eat and make sure there's food. Matthew 18 verse 15 says, if your brother sins against you, go tell him his fault. Between you and him alone, what does that mean? That means you're not bringing him to church. That means you're not bringing him to somebody else. It means you're just reaching out. Hey, you want to go for a drink? Hey, you want to go, you want to, you want to go hit some golf balls? Hey, we go fishing. You want to come? Invite them back into relationship. If they listen to you, you have gained your brother back. You have gained your brother back. See how much of this, how many people it needs for us, you and I, to do this as, as individuals. Not to trust the organization to do that, but, but me stepping out, just caring just enough, just to say, hey, I've been missing you. How are you? By the way, we're starting our life group next week. and It's difficult to invite somebody to a life group if you're not in one. So I want to encourage you. Step into a place of fellowship with other believers where we discuss the Bible and apply it in our lives. Not where you just listen like now, but where you actually get a chance to air your opinion and test it out and see, but does this, does this stand up to the truth of Scripture or is there something I need to repent of? And remember, repentance doesn't mean I'm feeling bad about what I did. It means I'm changing the way I think about things. That's what happens in life groups. We get to be able to, you know, 
to repent and to change the way we approach things so that that starts lining up with Scripture. The third group of people that I think if we will categorize them as lost, you know, we would, we would see, man, these are, these are people that we need to reach out to, not reject and not let go and forget about. No, we need to try and pursue them. And if we're going to pursue them together as a group, we're going to be way more effective. They're the hurt or the offended. And you know what? These people, they're in need of healing and love. Now, I know you guys are experiencing all the love right now, right? <laughs> no, this is, the, this is not the best love environment. <laughs> like, you know, uh, I, I, I am your friend. Um, because I believe a good friend tells people about Jesus. Um, but, but there are other environments where you are, are known and yet accepted. That's how we feel loved most, right? It's when people get to know the inside of us and they still go, you know what? I don't think less of you. I think more of you because you're sharing from your inside. to You're trusting me. With, with, with something that's special to you. I respect you for that. Thank you for letting me into that part of your life. Let's walk it out together. Let's see how we can uh, include Jesus in this conversation and ask him, Jesus, what now? Now that we know this, what do we do with this now? You know, you and I can, 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 can provide that for people that are hurt and offended. But here's the thing. People literally don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. People need to know that you really do care before they're going to allow you to step into that place of hurt. You know what that means? It means time. It means time. Being willing to give your time to them. And sometimes it's just listening. Not even talking. Not even trying to correct or trying to teach or trying to help. Sometimes it's, it's exactly not supposed to be that. Sometimes it shouldn't be that. Sometimes you just need to say, hey, it sucks. I hear you. I'm here. I'm here. Whatever you need, I'm here. You see, the heart of God is so well, for me, just it's so beautifully explained, uh, expressed in Isaiah 42 verse 3 where he says, a bruised reed he will not break. And a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. You know, some, many times people are dealing with a hurt, something that somebody did that was wrong, and it's, and, it, and it's causing them to struggle. The Bible says God will faithfully bring forth justice. He wants to draw closer to those people because God loves the lost. He loves the lost. He will not grow faint or be discouraged. Because let me tell you, if you've reached out a couple of times to somebody, sorry, if you've reached out a couple of times to somebody and, and they've kind of rejected your approach, it's easy to get discouraged. But the Bible says the Spirit of God on the inside of you will continue to motivate you to not become discouraged till He has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for it all. Till that person experiences God's healing power. He wants us to continue to care, continue to reach out to them, continue to try to invite them back into fellowship, to listen, to hear them out. Maybe it, 
It will even require a little bit of, hey, why don't, you help, why don't you let me help you talk to that person so we can deal with that offense, so we can take out that, you know, that thing that's still, in, that's still hurting you. Take out that, so that that, we, that wound can start healing up. What should I do? I should care. And I should try to get with them in person and pray with them. That's all we can do to reach out to those who are lost. We can share the gospel with them. We can invite them back into relationship. And we can care and listen. And we can pray with them. If we will do these things, the heart of God will be able to um, remind people that He is for them. He is not against them. He wants them to step into His, into his uh, family again. He wants them back in church. But sometimes we, we jump too quick to trying to bring them here. You first have to bring them here before you bring them here. If they come here with all the, the hurt and the things that act as filters in front of their eyes and their ears, they might purely, they might only see what they've been seeing the whole time. Judgment, offense, hurt. But once they get to know you and they walk with you a little, they come here and they experience something different because those filters have been changed out. There are lost people around us every single day. And our purpose as children of God is first and foremost to love Him and second to love as He does. First and foremost to love Him. Can we all stand for a minute? I want us to pray. Because I want to know, as we stand before God today, you've heard me talk about people who have a, a relationship with God and people who have been born again and people who don't serve God out of a duty, but they serve God from a, a sense of desire and, and joy. And you might stand here today and you say, I don't know that. I don't know that. I've always just done this because it's the right thing to do. I've always just done this because, you know, I fear going to hell. There is an entirely different perspective that I hope you heard today. Let us pray. Father, I just ask that you just encourage everybody's hearts here today who, who might not have experienced walking with you in this way, Lord. For whatever reason there might be. I pray, God, that you will convince them in their hearts that there's a, you have a different desire for them. You want them to be in a relationship with you, a life-giving, hope-restoring, peace-establishing, joy-fulfilling relationship. If you don't have a relationship like that with God, but you would like one, you would like to step into such a relationship with God, won't you, won't you lift up your hand to, to this, this morning? I will pray with you. I will pray with you. Nobody's looking around. Don't worry about that. It's a private moment between you and the Lord. If you want a relationship with God and you've not had that before, God wants you to step into that today. Just put up your hand right now and we can pray together. It could be the start of that discovery, start of that journey with Him. 
All it takes is a step of faith. All it takes is just a willingness to, to try and to trust. Father, I just thank you that as people hear more and more about your desire to walk closely with them, as a father, the, the best father, have the greatest relationship with their son and daughter, that you desire that for us, Lord, in a perfect way, a way that can never hurt, a way that can never disappoint, a way that can only heal and only guide and only bring life to us, Lord. I pray that people will respond to your love, Lord. I pray that we might step into a greater experience of relationship than we've ever had. That, Father, even our, even parts of our hearts, Lord God, that, that we feel scared to open up to you, that we might, we might open up those areas of our heart to you and trust your word to come in like a healing salve, a balm that comes and just brings healing trust you for that in Jesus name Romans 10 verse 15 says how can the message be proclaimed if messengers have yet to be sent how can the message be proclaimed that's the gospel how can the gospel be preached how can the transforming power of God be released to people if messengers who's that it's not just me. It's all of us have yet to be sent. You know what? In John 17, verse 18, we learn something. Jesus said this, talking about his disciples and not just the 12 that was with him because earlier in his prayer, he clearly states that he's not just praying for the ones that are with him, but all who would come to salvation through their message which means that's you and I Jesus when he was on earth actually prayed for you and I in the future and then he said this of us all his followers he's just, he said this I have commissioned them to represent you to represent me just as you have commissioned me to represent you Romans 10 verse 15 asks how can the message be shared if, if messengers have not been sent? Paul is not saying that, okay, now, now I'm going to send it. No, no, Paul reminds us, hey, it's happened before. You have been sent. You have already been commissioned. And so that's why we say that his mission is our commission. You have been commissioned. To go and share the gospel. To go and care for people. To go and invite people into relationship. And you don't have to do it out of character. You can do it through who you are. If you're an introvert, don't try and, you know, talk to groups of people. It might not end well. But if you're an extrovert like me, just have at it. Go. Be who you are, but represent Jesus. Represent His love, His care, but also represent His truth. Take that little thing. Go read those, 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 those descriptions and have it at the front of your mouth so that it comes out every now and then, every now and then when you're in conversation with people. 
Father, as we stand here, thank you that we can commission our church. We can send our church out so that the transforming power of God, the gospel message can be spread into this community and the communities beyond so that people's lives might become connected back to you, Lord God. We pray for your love for the lost to really just hit us, Father. We might realize that the person we're sitting next to might be separated from God and soon be separated from the manifestation of His power. That they might not hear the gospel anymore, be able to hear the gospel anymore. Lord, put on us that urgency to pray for for our neighbors. And remember the question, who is my neighbor? Jesus answered that by saying, it's whoever you come across during a day that you would actually have care for, to care for. Thank you, Father, we can send our church into this community with your love and your message that many might get to know you many might become uh, come into a relationship with you Lord God we thank you for that and Lord thank you as we go today that, that you just impress again on our hearts how much you love us how much you are for us how you want to bless us so that we can be a blessing for those around us thank you Lord that we walk in that relationship with you as sons of God Lead us, Holy Spirit, by your, by your truth and by that, by that fellowship of, your, of your, your guidance, just whispering to us every day. Yeah, you, this is the path I want you to go. Do this. I pray that we will respond to those little nudges as you give us, Lord God. And we'll just trust you with the outcome. We'll just deliver the package. I pray for all that today in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen.